Hey, y'all. It's Lens. Popping open another podcast. <laughs> oh, man. I got the mom jokes coming in hot tonight. I'm sipping on a strawberry lager because it reminds me of the time we spent in Colorado. Chris uh, came home from the grocery store with a local... I think it was a local brewer. I know it was Colorado. Maybe maybe it wasn't local, local, but it was Colorado. And there was this delicious strawberry lager in the box. It is not... It was way better than the one I'm having tonight. But I'm back with part two of the road trip, epic road trip series, podcast series. This is episode 37 of Oddly Adulting. You can find me at oddlyadulting.com. Send me an email, oddlyadulting at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram as well. And since I already (laughs) managed to talk for over an hour about the road trip last time, um, I'm just going to jump right in. There's not really any reason to go into some long drawn out thing like I usually do. So I managed to get all the way through eight questions the last time. I did skip one. I skipped uh, tips and tricks because I think that that's really probably a, such a large that's such a large topic itself. I could do an entire podcast about that. And I actually thought to myself, we're heading out on um, a camping trip a little bit later this month, just a short one. And I actually thought to myself, okay, I'm going to be purposeful and keep a little running log of all of the little camping hacks that I think of while I'm on that trip. It's just easier for me to get in the zone while I'm on the trip. So I will have at some point in the future tips and tricks about camping. There are a lot of new campers on the road these days. I don't mean, I don't mean the actual physical unit. I mean, 2020 has turned a lot of people into campers because when everything got shut down, you know, what was still open outside. Um, And especially in our state, uh, they never actually closed any of the parks. In fact, (laughs) Our favorite park that we go to, um, at least once a year, and this year we'll actually end up getting to go at least twice, they had to uh, start, the town The town where the park is located actually requested, they tried to get special permission from the state to close the park because they were having record-breaking numbers of visitors because everybody was just like fleeing the city, trying to get out during lockdown, so... um So yeah, there's lots of new campers on the road. Maybe some of you listening are new to camping or considering getting into camping. I'll be your camping cheerleader all day long. I love camping. It's my favorite. It's my favorite hobby. So anyway, I'm going to jump right back in. To refresh, I will say this. I got this list of questions from producer Amy, who I know is um, already a camper. And so I'm just continuing into number nine. Okay. Question number nine. I think you said you got diverted by wildfires. How did you figure out where to go instead? Yes, we did. Poor Colorado was basically on fire by the time we got there. And we had to, um, at the last minute really be flexible, which being flexible is not 
a strong point of mine. Uh, neither is problem solving. So this was something that we were kind of having to do on the fly. But our camping companions are seasoned campers. They've done multiple trips out west. And so uh, we kind of leaned on their expertise as far as making plan itinerary changes at, at the last minute. Uh, so pretty much it went like this. We found out that one of the places we were going to be camping was on fire. And we said, okay, do we want to uh, bank on that fire being contained and just try and go somewhere kind of similar in the area so that it doesn't disrupt the rest of our itinerary too much? Or would we like to steer completely clear of the area? And furthermore, what, what even is there that we want to see? So that was kind of a, a sort of a three-pronged approach. So the particular instance that we had to plan, that was the most um, pressing that we planned around was that we were supposed to spend two nights in Glenwood Canyon. We were going to be going from Estes Park, which is outside of Denver. That's in Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, or we weren't camping in the park, but that's where the park is. Um, we were going to be in Estes, and then we were planning to go to Glenwood Canyon, Well, a fire broke out basically right there in Glenwood Canyon. So we, when we were looking at the map, um, one of us thought to look up, uh, to see if there was some kind of a, like, rather than a weather forecast, a smoke forecast, it might've been Chris. Chris is kind of weather minded because he had to learn all that stuff, um, for flying. So he's, he's kind of like more, he thinks about the weather. Um, maybe more than I do. Um, and so we looked up a smoke forecast and basically it was saying that this whole sort of, so the way that the mountains are in Colorado, there's this like big bowl that's created. And inside of that bowl is on one elevation, like over on the east side is this, you know, ski resort. And then on the left side is this ski resort. And then on the north and the south. So basically they were saying that they thought that the smoke was going to kind of accumulate in that bowl and that the visibility and all that stuff was going to be pretty bad for the next couple of days. So we decided ultimately, let's just steer clear of the whole area. It wouldn't be any fun to go somewhere. Like we were looking at, we could go to um, Vail or we could go to, what was the other one? There's another area down in that, in that central Colorado area, which is really a ski town, but you know, we thought that might be kind of cool to see, but ultimately we decided, well, it's not really going to be very fun if it's just a smoke out. So we branched way out from our planned itinerary and we just went due West all the way across the state line into Utah, where, which is where dinosaur national monument is. And so, um, we found a campground. So when we decided that we were going to go to dinosaur, then the next step or that we wanted to go to dinosaur, the next step was to see, could we find a campground that was suitable for what we wanted to, um, where, you know, where we wanted to stay, the proximity to the monument and all that stuff. And did they have any availability? Because with the amount of people we, uh, we did have, um, we did run into a bunch of situations where campgrounds were already full because people had made trips or a lot of people were planning last minute, or like I said, just a lot of new campers on the road. So, but we got really lucky and we found what was such a great little oasis, 
Um, I feel like I talked about this in the last episode. I probably should have listened to it to refresh my memory, but I'll just, I'll make it quick. We ended up staying at a place called Outlaw Trail, um, in, uh, Utah, right across the line. Wasn't far at all into the Utah in, into the, over the state line, um, right near the monument, seven minute drive, something like that. And the, the way that the campground owner let us set up, she actually let us span three parking spaces. So she had us pull in one direction and then she had our friends make a wide U-turn into another site. And she let us basically straddle one site in the middle so that we could roll both of our awnings out and get complete shade over the shared area in between. And then our doors were facing each other and we had our picnic table in the middle. It was awesome. It was such great. It was just like she, the fact that she did that for us made that stay made those two nights at that RV park. Just, those were two of my favorite nights. We got the, um, projector and the movie screen out when we watched a movie outside both nights. So it was just really, it was really fun. It turned out really well. So that one, that change in plans, I think actually added something to the trip. Glenwood Canyon was going to be beautiful. We were going to be camping on the Colorado river you know, we could fish right from our campsite. That would have been really cool, but we kind of would have been seeing the exact same thing, you know, more mountains, more water, um, that kind of stuff, um, more hiking. And so instead we branched out and we did this totally different thing and it turned out to be really cool. So, um, that was pretty much how we, uh, skinned the cat. Whenever we had to make a change to the itinerary, we were like, okay, well, where do we want to go? You know, we were going to go here, but where do we want to go instead? And, you know, or what is, what is something we want to do? So we had to also change Mesa Verde was closed. So we had to make a change there. We ended up swapping around the last three nights. We changed our whole itinerary because we had, um, decided that in, uh, when Mesa Verde got canceled, we thought, okay, well, we'll go to Colorado Springs and we'll do Pikes Peak and we'll do Garden of the Gods. But then we realized that the route we were going to be driving, we we're going to be doing a lot of backtracking. And we were going to have to cross this um, mountain pass called Monarch. And we had started hearing about Monarch and we started getting scared. <laughs> this was only like... Um, halfway into our trip. We hadn't really had to do that many mountain passes, but we didn't want to have to do any more of them than necessary. So, um, so when we realized that we were going to have to do Monarch, we were like, Oh, that sounds bad. And so, uh, instead we changed the whole thing up. So, but that was basically how, the, how we skinned the cat was that we looked at our route. We said, okay, what would, where would we rather go? Where, which direction does it make sense to go? What are we trying to avoid? What are we trying to see? And then before we made any final plans, we had to make sure that we could find an RV park, um, that would meet our needs. And we had no problems with that. And like I said, like in the Utah diversion, (coughs) that ended up being one of my favorite stops. And then the very last stop, in Colorado also ended up being one of our favorites. Okay. I'm going to rearrange the order of her questions. So number, her number 10 question is going to end up, I'm going to make it my number 12. So my next question from producer Amy was, it looked like you were traveling with friends. How did you coordinate destinations, food, different schedules, Yes, we were. We were traveling with friends and this was our second rodeo 
um, with these folks. We went, well, second extended long big trip. We've been camping with them um, for, let's see, three, three years. The first camping trip we did together was for the complete solar eclipse that we got um, in 2017. We live about three hours from where it was going to be in totality. And we planned a trip to uh, just a little campground, like in the middle of the nowhere. Never, I haven't been there since. Don't, don't think I will ever go there again. It had nothing, there was nothing to do there other than it was going to be in the path of totality. And so we invited them to come along and that was our first camping trip together. And just as a sidebar, I was so nervous. <laughs> you know how you have friends like, you have friends that you'll that you can hang out with, you can go out with, like socially and all those things, but you would never go on vacation with them just for whatever reason. Maybe you've tried it and you've learned that, okay, our vacation styles don't mesh at all. Because, you know, people have different vacation styles. Like some people's vacation style is, I want to literally sit on the beach all day. Like, you know who you are, Nazarene. <laughs> I don't even need an umbrella. I don't even need a cooler. I don't even need a hat. I'm just going to sit on the beach all day. Okay. And then there's the other people who their vacation style is like, I'm going to a place because I want to see the place, you know? So you pick, maybe you pick, um, well, when we went to, I'll give the beach as an example, especially because, okay, so y'all have met Nazarene. Nazarene's favorite place to beach is the Outer Banks. And so she started telling me about the Outer Banks. She knows I doesn't like, I don't like the beach. And so she's like, oh, you would love the Outer Banks. It's different. You would love it. It's different. And I'm like, I really don't think I'm gonna love any beach, but go ahead and tell me about it. So she told me all about the Outer Banks and how it's a much more natural beach. It's not touristy. And these particular towns are awesome. And then you can do these particular activities, but it's not like real built up and it's not, you know, the pace is slower and whatever. So we actually took her all of her advice and tips and my side of the family, my dad and Christy, and then my uh, siblings, we all decided to go that, that we would go to the Outer Banks, to the beach together. And so there's just very, there's a few things to do, but it's not a ton of things. And so each day we would do maybe like one little outing. So we, you know, went to the lighthouse or we went to see the um, Wright Brothers monument, that kind of stuff. Um, but some people, and it was a great trip. So that was my rabbit trail was that I, I didn't love the beach, but I did like the Outer Banks. <laughs> so I'm still retaining privileges for when Nazarene someday gets her beach house there. I still want to come. I'm just, you know, don't make me love it. Like, just let me come and, <laughs> and sit under my umbrella <laughs> with my feet, not touching the sand. Okay. But, uh, but, but vacation styles can be really different. And so that can be kind of a concern. So I was so nervous. I was so worried that like, first of all, that the campground I picked was going to be terrible or that they like, weren't going to want to just sit around and watch the eclipse, you know, that they were going to be bored or that like the kids were going to fight or the kids were going to get bored. Long story short, it went great. And we've had many, many, many fantastic, successful camping trips with them since, including last year's long trip to Yellowstone, where we spent 10 days on the road. Now for that year, we actually did have some separate things that we wanted to see. We wanted to see the Little House historical site in Kansas. 
and they wanted to see um, Cody, Wyoming, which is really, I think it's a big, like, um, I can't remember who's, I think there's somebody famous from there. I can't remember who, but it's like a cowboy, like cowboy town and that kind of stuff. So because they're, they're cattle ranchers, you know, it made sense that they wanted to see all that kind of stuff. So we did actually end up, we met up, we spent 10 days on the road together and then we actually split off and they went home via the North route and we went home via the South route, um, and had several days at the end and the kids were devastated, like devastated to have to leave each other. So we knew by the end of, of the trip last year that like we should definitely plan another trip, plan for a full two weeks, no issue. So, uh, I think I also mentioned yesterday. Yes, I did. I'm or last week in the last podcast episode, I mentioned that we originally planned a trip to Maine and then because of COVID and all the travel restrictions, we, we reversed course at the very last minute and ended up going back out West to Colorado. So for this particular trip, when we were planning to go to Maine, we have actually been to Maine. We've been to Acadia. We spent a week in Acadia with my family in 2016. So for planning that trip, Jennifer kind of, Jennifer and I would get together and we'd be like, well, we could go here, we could go here, we could go here. She kind of deferred to my knowledge of the area as we planned our destinations. And then we had, you know, she said, well, I'm interested in seeing this thing. And I said, well, I, we're interested in seeing this thing. And y'all, Chris's thing, he wanted to go to Canada. He was like, I want to say I went camped in Canada. I want to cross the border. I want to go to Canada. So Canada was on his like bucket list. So I kind of got to say, you know, these are our two really important things. We want to go to Canada and we want to go to Acadia. The rest of it, we kind of don't care about, you know, we're willing to take whatever route there and whatever at home. They, on the other hand, were really interested in seeing the, um, a, a lot of New York state and the Finger Lakes area and, um, what was another thing? I can't remember. But so basically it's a, it's a, a lot of throwing out ideas, seeing what sticks and ultimately being okay with compromising because it, you know, you can't, you cannot see everything. You just can't. If you tried, you would fail. So, um, so when we start to plan, um, we, we, pl- we planned to, to just, travel the whole way together. The other, the other thing about that, um, as far as the traveling is concerned, don't forget y'all, I got a new chair and it's creaky. Um, we, we realized, well, especially this year, um, we realized that it is really very useful to be playing, to be traveling together. Um, because you're not just out on the open road alone. You know, what happens if you run out of gas? What happens if you break down? What happens if your kid gets sick? What happens if your kid gets injured and one of you, you know, needs to take your kid to the hospital? What if it's a global pandemic and you're not allowed to, you know, do this or that or the other? So, so we pretty much committed to traveling together for the whole duration of the trip this year. And so we just kind of like went back and forth and, and negotiated and compromised on the places that we had the most interest in seeing. Um, as far as different schedules go, we have always, we have both agreed, like, you know, that if, if one family wants to do something and the other family is not that interested in it, that that everybody should feel free to make their own plans if they want to. And one of the things that came up was that, um, 
when we had, we had the trip planned, um, like I said earlier, to go to Glenwood Springs. And then we ended up having to change that uh, destination because of the wildfire. But one of the things that they wanted to do in Glenwood Canyon was to go hiking at a place called Hanging Lake. Now, we, we like hiking. Chris and I do. We have one child that likes hiking just fine, never complains about it. We have one child that claims to hate hiking. And then we have the other child, the third child, who is super happy about hiking until she's not. And then she's like done. And then you have to figure out a way to get her to power through it. Typically, if we make her the line leader or the hike leader or some, you know, make her the boss of some sort, then she can power through and she's totally fine. Like she about hiked us to death in, in Death Canyon last year. We were all roasting in the sun and totally done. And she was like, come on, don't you want to see the canyon? And whereas, you know, 20 minutes before that, she'd been crying her eyeballs out because she didn't want to hike anymore. So anyway, you kind of have to know your audience. Um, but because I know we have a child that doesn't love hiking and really doesn't ever get excited about it, just kind of suffers through it. Um, when Jennifer told me that they were wanting to go do the hanging lake hike, I was like, okay, you know, we'll see. And then came the kicker. The kicker was because of COVID, you had to have a timed entry pass. And the only timed entries that were left for that day were at 630 in the morning. And so I just straight up told her, no, <laughs> we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna drag our, our kid that hates hiking out of the bed at 6am to go hiking. We're just not going to do that, but y'all should go have fun. No big deal. And so there was no, like, it was not an issue. Um, no hard feelings or anything like that. Another thing that they wanted to do was they wanted to go, um, whitewater rafting and I have, I've whitewater rafted and I'm not going to do it again ever. And I don't ever plan to be present when my children whitewater raft because I'm not good at watching them do things that are dangerous. So, um, she threw out whitewater rafting and I said, yep, y'all have fun with that. And just kind of was like, shut it down. I'm not doing that, but y'all should like feel free. So, um, so yeah, we, we haven't in the, in the end, I think the only thing that we did slightly different that we ended up on a different schedule about was, uh, the very first day when we arrived in Estes Park, again, that's Rocky Mountain National Park area, and you did have to have a timed entry to go into the park. So we had gotten together and coordinated and, and arranged for timed entries for the same time for the next three days. We were going to go in the morning and go hiking each day. But I didn't get a timed entry for the day that we got there. She wanted to get a timed entry so that they could go and find the... um a visitor center and talk to a park ranger, get information about hiking and stuff. I, on the other hand, was concerned that we would have already been in the car for a long time that day. And, um, for really for me, the kids do fine with being in the car. They really don't ever complain about being in the car, but with my back and my, um, sciatica problem that I've been dealing with this year, I was really nervous about the trip and I was afraid this was going to be like day four of the trip. And I was afraid that by then that like my disc was going to be horribly flared up and my sciatica was going to be debilitating. And so I just planned for a rest that afternoon and that evening. So that I think was the only thing that they really did that we did on, on like a completely different schedule. So, um, we just gel together really well, thankfully. And, you know, like she and I are both 
type A. So there's always a little bit of like give and take, you know, both of us could really, if we cared, we could really both probably throw down about stuff, but we, we play nice. So, um, so it goes well. Food is the other, um, part of that question. Jennifer had the idea when we planned, um, our first camping trip together, it was going to be a two night trip. She had the idea, how about I do dinner one night and you do dinner the next night. And y'all, that has been the best thing ever about going camping with another family because we've gone, we've camped with other friends as well and tried the like, well, what should we have for this dinner? You know, what should we have for this meal? Well, I'll bring the buns and you bring the chips and I'll bring the ketchup and you bring the mustard. And that makes my head want to explode because I feel like I'm, I'm always nervous that I don't know what I'm supposed to be bringing or that we're going to miss something really obvious. So Jennifer's idea that like, she just cooks dinner one night for, for all of us. And then I, I cook it the other night for all of us. It is the best. So that is what we did. So we figured out we had, we were going to be on the road for, I think 17 nights or sit, no, 16 nights. We're going to be on the road for 16 nights. We're going to get home on day 17. We're going to be on the road for 16 nights, but we didn't want to have to cook every single night. You know, we like to go out to eat once in a while. So we decided that we would each plan six dinners and then we'd plan to have one night of like clean out the cupboard, you know, leftover smorgasbord. And then three nights we would go out to eat. And that's pretty much how it turned out. In fact, I think we might have ended up having leftover clean out the cupboard twice because we had so many leftovers. So, um, and then for breakfasts and lunches, we just did our own thing. It's, it would be, I think it would be too much to try and plan for three meals a day, especially because, you know, like everybody has their own, we like this certain thing for breakfast or that certain thing. So days that we're on the road, like if it's a day that we're waking up and we're just basically getting in the car and driving, I bought, um, at Costco, those massive boxes of the Belvita breakfast crackers or cookies or whatever they are. And we just ate those for breakfast. And then, and then we would, um, pack lunches for most of our outings And that really saves a ton of money too, you know, because for five people to eat, I mean, I took the girls through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, y'all, it was $40 for me and three children to eat. So, um, it is not as hard as you might think really, um, to cook for a large group of people and plan those meals. And so, um, So yeah, that's how we did it. So I planned six meals. I think I already told you what I, I think I even feel like for some reason I said something about meals before. Let me just look back over here. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe not. Anyway. Um, yes. Pick friends. My point is pick friends that you, that your vacation styles gel. If you are laid back want to sit in one place and read a book all day and that's your vacation, then make your intention known. Because if your friend is a see all the things, do all the things, like you guys aren't, you're not going to be happy. So, you know, make sure your styles gel, be willing to compromise. And 
honestly, I'm grateful, especially last year when we had never done a long trip. I just pretty much deferred to all of Jennifer's expertise. I was like, so what should I do about this? What do you do about that? What do you, how do you, what do you do? What do you pack? How do you deal with laundry? Um, but just, you know, like be willing to compromise and, and that's, that's pretty much how you do it. Okay. Next one. Second to last question. How should one begin to plan a trip like this? All right. I would start by picking both time, both times that we've done it and technically three times. Cause we've technically planned three trips because we've planned the trip to Yellowstone last year. We planned a trip to Maine this year that didn't happen. And then we last minute planned a trip to Colorado plan, pick, pick where you want to go first. So find out if your destination is even plausible. You know, if it's a, I think it was, let's see from where we left to come home. It was a 22 hour drive. Okay. So it was a 20, it was 22 hours of road time to get to Colorado. How many days is that realistically going to take you? So for us, we don't want to spend more than eight hours a day in a car. Eight is the max that I want to spend in the car. So for us, that's either three days of hard hauling eight hours a day three days in a row, or you make it take a little bit longer and you do four days of six hours a day. Okay. So figure out where you want to go and find out realist, figure out realistically, how long will it take me to get there? And, and do I want to do hard, hard pull to get there? Or do I want to kind of like take my time and then really just be realistic about how, how long do I really need for this length of a trip? When Jennifer was trying to talk me into coming along with them to Yellowstone last year, she was like, I said, well, how long are you guys going to be on the road? She's like, oh, probably like, you know, like probably like two weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, Chris could never take two weeks off work. Not because he doesn't have two weeks of vacation, but just he's never stepped away from the office for two weeks. I was imagining that being just a total impossibility. Like in my mind, he's a very important team member, you know, and also he's kind of a workaholic. Like I'm not sure how that he even wants to take two weeks off work. So I was super hesitant about really, truly planning a trip that was going to take 14 days. So last year we left on Friday night. So he worked the whole week, you know, he worked basically a whole day Friday. We left at five o'clock and we just stayed somewhere Friday night that was just three hours up the road. We just wanted to get a little bit of road underneath us before we met up with our friends the next day. So then the next day, we only had to do six hours. Now, they pulled nine hours because they left home and they just went straight to the first place we were meeting at. They did a nine-hour day. We did a three-hour night and then a six-hour day. Um, but we stayed on the road two full weeks. We went Saturday to Sunday, two Sundays. So that was 15 nights, I think 16 nights, but, but, but Chris took two full weeks off of work. So 10, 10 work days. Um, so that's, that's what I would do to start planning a trip. I would figure out where do I want to go? Realistically, how long will it take me to get there? And that's being realistic about, I don't want to be in the car for, you know, more than X number of hours a day. 
And then realistically, how much time do I need to take so that once I get there, I can actually be there long enough to see all the things I want to see, do the things I want to do before I just have to pack up and drive back home again. So for this year, we were like, once he got over, I mean, he was so awesome last year on the trip. He did not check his email one time. He just was like, he set the out of office thing and he was off the grid. Now I think he had, I think he answered maybe like one or two phone calls from his boss, you know, or from his coworkers. Um, but he, I mean, he really did. He did it. He totally just disconnected, disengaged. He was like, all right, I'm, I'm out of the office. See y'all in two weeks. And you know what? The world kept turning. The office didn't burn down. The company didn't go out of business. Like, so that gave him the confidence for this year to be even more excited about taking two weeks off of work, to be even more confident about the fact that like it was going to be a good thing, you know, that he got out of work for two weeks. So, um, so yeah, pick a destination, be realistic about how much time it's going to take you to get there, how much time you really need to spend there to make it worth the trip. And then, um, then the next thing is, is finding places to stay. So we started booking our main trip, a year in advance because some of the places in Maine, that's how far in advance you have to book it out because it's a small campground and everybody wants to go there. So get your camping booked first. And well, obviously because your destination, you've picked your destination already. So you know what you want to do when you get there, but get your camping, you know, get your, get your, uh, reservations made. And then, you can be as planned out as you want to be, or you can be as free form as you want to be. And we were actually fairly, we had destinations that we knew we wanted to go to, but they were kind of large in our mind. Like we want to go to Rocky Mountain National Park. Okay. Rocky Mountain is huge. You could spend a week there and not see the same thing twice. So we were actually a little more free form about it this year. Last year we had a lot more specific, like we're going here and doing this. We're going here and doing this. We're going here and doing this this year, just by virtue of the fact that, our plan changed so many times we had to, we had to do that. So I'll give an example of one of the changes we made and how we, um, how it turned out for us. So I mentioned that Mesa Verde was closed. And so we had decided instead of going to Mesa Verde, we'd go to Colorado Springs. Well, then we had to, after making that decision, then we had to change our Glenwood Canyon to Utah. And so when we started looking at the map that we were, you know, the route that we were going to be taking, we were going to be going from Estes to Utah. That was about six and a half hour drive. Then when we left Utah, we were going to be going down to a place called Ridgeway State Park, which is near the Black Canyon of the Gunnison and near the Sil- the Silver Dollar, not Silver Dollar, I try and call it Silver Dollar, Million Dollar Highway, which is the areas of like uh, Ore, Silverton, Telluride, Durango, that whole area. And then we were going to be going to, um, all the way over up to Colorado Springs and we were going to have to do that mountain pass that I talked about and we decided we didn't want to do that. And then if we had gone to Colorado Springs, then we were going to end up backtracking to get down to the sand dunes. So we were going to end up making like kind of this very funky, like, um, (laughs) like a scythe shaped with a plus sign at the end. And ultimately we thought that that looks kind of dumb. Like, why are we doing, why are we doing that? How'd we end up going to Colorado Springs? So we kind of rethought our entire plan. 
And so what came back up on our radar was something that Jennifer and I had seen when we were talking about what is there to do in Colorado? What do we want to see? You know, because we're not going in the winter, so we're not skiing, obviously. And so there are two um, vintage narrow gauge railroad um, trips that you can take. And one of them is out of Durango, which you have to drive the whole, like, one down over one side or over the other side of the million dollar highway to get to. So it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't really convenient to anywhere for us to make a stop to do that one. So, it, and then the other one is in a little town, ta- a little tiny town called Antonito. And it actually goes along the border of Colorado and New Mexico. It actually snakes across the border and then ends up at the end of the line is in New Mexico. Well, ultimately, because we had already made our itinerary the first time, neither of those things really worked with the itinerary that we had. Well, then fast forward to we're actually on the trip. Now we're having to dodge wildfires, um, COVID closures, all this stuff. And the idea comes back up because Chris is searching. We're just kind of randomly searching Google like stuff to do in Colorado. So it comes up on Chris's Google search and he's like, Oh, did you know there's this narrow gauge railroad? And we were like, oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we looked at that. I don't know. I don't know why we didn't decide to do that. So the last minute we decided that instead of going to Colorado Springs and then the sand dunes and then heading home, what we were going to do instead was we were going to leave Ridgeway State Park and we were going to go spend one night in the sand dunes because unless you're going to hike, hike, hike the dunes, like all day and all night. It's, it's a, it's a day trip. So we're going to spend one night in the sand dunes, see the sand dunes. And then we were going to just make a short little hop. It was only going to be an hour and a half to get to a campground that we found. It was basically, it's like a mom and pop campground. It's called Canyon Bonito RV resort or RV park. I can't remember. And it's this guy named Al who, who 10 years ago, um, decided that he wanted to build a campground on his family farmland, which is right along the river. And so for the last 10 years, he's been building this campground and it was everybody's favorite stop. It was a short walk to the river. You could fly fish to your heart's content. We did. We didn't catch anything, but it was fun. Um, beautiful, shady, huge sites, campground dogs that just like walk around and come hang out with you and, the kids were able to hang hammocks in the trees. I mean, it was, it was like the best, most unexpected and super relaxing. Just nobody was in a hurry there. It was uh, several of the people that were in the campground looked like maybe they were long-term residents. Chris got to talking to one of them and they were like, yeah, yeah, what? No, we're, we live in Colorado, but like we left home in March and we've been here ever since. I guess maybe we'll go home eventually, but we just really like it here. It's so quiet. It's so nice, you know? And he even had a, a laundry, a laundry room, like a laundry hut. It was like a shack with the laundry stuff in it. Free. Just had a little jar for donations. Like it was such a homey, just relaxed. It was great. And it was a 10 minute drive from where you get on the Cumbris and Toltec scenic railroad. And it is that, that one, that railroad, um, is featured in the, uh, what is it? Um, the third Indiana Jones movie. (laughs) It's the, 
it's the circus train. <laughs> uh, it was decorated up as a circus train. You don't ride it looking like a circus train. It looks like a regular train, but um, it was in the Indiana Jones movie. So the night before we went on the train ride, we set up the movie projector in the screen and we watched the Indi- third Indiana Jones movie. And then we got up the next morning. We drove 10 minutes to the station. We hopped on the train and we spent all day riding the train. And the train was so fun. It had a bar car. So I got to have like a mimosa while I rode along on the train. It had an open air car that you could just stand there. It had no top on it or anything. It was just like a cattle car that you stood in. And the thing only chugs along at like, I think it only goes like 16 miles an hour or something. I mean, it's, it's vintage all the way. hundred percent. It's a steam engine, like coal, coal fed. And so basically you just hop on the train you ride the train about three and a half hours to a stop where you get off and you go into the old train station and they have Thanksgiving dinner, all you can eat Thanksgiving dinner buffet, um, with a dessert bar, salad bar, all this stuff. And then, so you take a stop, you stop for an hour, you stuff your face with Thanksgiving dinner and then get back on the train. And, and while you're eating, they turn the train around. So it's, there's like a switch track or whatever. They turn the train around and you hop back on the train, ride three hours back. So you just, there's, it's just fun. So that was how, that was how we did that. Whenever we needed to make a change, we just picked the destination first, made sure we could find somewhere to stay. And then really it all worked out. Okay. So now I'm going to go back. I'm going to make it question. The last question. <laughs> okay. The question was, your kids' favorite memories and parts of the trip? Yours and Chris's favorites. Okay. I'm going to take a little, my own little spin on this, which is that we play a little game sometimes with the kids when it seems like dinner conversation is kind of slow or like they're wanting to talk our ear off about some, you know, terrible TV show like Mako Mermaids or something. And so we'll play a game called Hilo. And we'll just ask him, you know, what was your high of your day? What was your low of your day? So we did this last year at the end of our trip on the last night. We played high-low about the trip. And so while we were on the trip this year with our friends, I said, oh, oh, we will, we have to make sure we want to play high-low on the last night. And I, I explained what high-low was. And so they were like, okay, sounds good. So I actually have written down what our high lows were. And I'm going to go with, I'm going to start with the kids and then I'm going to end with me and Chris's and you'll catch the favorite memories, um, from all of us. And then like some of the outtakes, I guess, or the regrettable moments. Okay. So we'll start with the youngest, youngest child. Her highs were sledding at the sand dunes. So at the sand dunes for $20 a day, you rent a sled. They give you a wooden sled and they give you a, a slab of wax for it. And you can, you can sled on the dunes. So you hike out and it's a 24, you can be on the dunes for 24 hours a day. You can sled at midnight if you want to, uh, but you hike out and hike up on the dunes and then you wax your board and then you sled down. So you're basically like sand surfing. And so her high was sledding at the dunes, but she's also an overachiever. So she couldn't decide on just one high. She had to give me three sledding at the dunes, riding the gondola at Telluride. Okay. Let me tell you quick, quick side story. Um, I don't like 
sky cars. I don't like ski lifts. I don't like heights. I don't like anything that this gondola was. And guess whose idea it was to ride the gondola? Me. You know why? Because it's free. <laughs> I'm cheap. And I was like, hey, did you hear there's a free gondola on Telluride? And they're like, oh yeah, we should do that. It'd be so fun. Yeah. So we rode the free gondola. Guess what happened while we were on the gondola? A hailstorm. <laughs> gondola is swaying. Hail is hitting us. Not my favorite, but it was one of hers. Okay. And then her other uh, overachiever, more than one um, thing, was the dogs, the campground dogs at Canyon Bonito. There were these two dogs. Well, there was three dogs. Let's see. They were Bear, Bailey, and I can't remember the third dog's name. But there were the, they were the sweetest dogs. They just, they were so chill. Okay. And her low was hiking. That wasn't even the kid that doesn't even like hiking. All right. Then my middle child, her high, there's a theme. You're going to notice a theme here. Uh, the, the sand dunes really made an impression on all of us. Okay. So the middle child's high was watching mommy and Miss Jennifer sled on the sand dunes. <laughs> okay. So you're going to get in one picture. I'm going to make, I'm going to make the cover photo for the post on Instagram about this episode. I'm going to use the picture that Chris snapped of me and Miss Jennifer riding the sand dunes because it is a, like a skillfully crafted shot from the side of my face and I'm all blurry. I'm all bokeh. Okay. And in the distance, you can see that Jennifer has gotten to the bottom of the dune, has fallen off her sled, and has turned the wrong direction with her legs in the air. <laughs> so it was awesome. It also um, dislocated my hip and I had a difficult time. I was not actually able to get my hip to go back into its proper place until after I got home and went to the chiropractor. So there, that, that was a high and a low in and of itself. <laughs> All right. And then her low was that um, sand was getting in her face at the sand dunes. I don't know why that ruined her day, but man, she was just not having it. The, the wind was blowing and sand was in her face and it was bad. Okay, then the oldest child, her high, was also sledding at the sand dunes. Okay. She didn't really go into detail there. Her low... <laughs> oh, here comes the train. Her low was all the embarrassing pictures mommy posted of her on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, if that's not a preteen, I don't know what is. All right. Now we're going to move on to my highs and lows. I'm also an overachiever and I'm going to give two highs because my youngest child is basically my mini me. So you know who she gets it from. But my first and most important to mention high was that I got to see my awesome friend Dawn in the first place where we were staying, we were staying in Estes park and, um, it's only like, um, maybe an hour. I don't, I don't remember. It was, it was an easy place. We found an easy place for us to kind of meet up halfway. And so she lives about an hour away from there. And, um, I actually got to see her and her kids. Well, her whole family, we stayed, we parked in their driveway last year. Um, on our trip last year, we came home via Denver and camped out in their driveway one night. So when we started planning a trip to Colorado this year, I was like, oh, and we're totally going to meet up, right? She was like, yeah, totally. 
hopefully. Well, then COVID happened and we were like, I don't know. Are we going to meet up? I don't know. And so it was very last, it was down to the last minute trying to figure out if we could make it work. And so basically um, I ditched our entire group for the evening and it was awesome. I drove out to uh, Lions, the town of Lions, and we met up at a little um, taco place that was doing, you could like walk up to the window and do a to-go order and then you could sit on the deck. Um, and so we did uh, take out margaritas and tacos and we sat on the deck and I think we sat there for three hours and it was awesome. It was so, it was like on the fifth day of the trip, so I really needed a break from everybody and it was great. So I was super, super glad that we got to catch up. So yes, that was of course my first and biggest and most noteworthy high. But like I said, overachiever. So I also had a second and that high was watching the, the sledding on the sand dunes. Um, it was just really fun. This The sand dunes made such an impression on me because once you, when you are driving up to them, and I, when I say driving up to them, I mean, you make this turn, you make a turn off the rural highway, you know, it's like Great Sand Dunes National Park this way. You make this turn and you start down this road and, and way in the distance you can see, because it's perfectly flat, you know, you can see this mountain range and this, this sand dunes. And it's just as clear as day. And it looks like it's right there. Like there it is. We'll be there in just a minute. You have to drive 20 more miles in a straight line down this road. To, to even get to where now you're, now you're going to have to turn left and go five miles. You know, the other, it's in a, a square, obviously. It is the most, it is so difficult to have a concept of the scale of the dunes because when you're driving up to them, it does not look real. It does not look like it can possibly be a real thing. And then you start walking out there and pretty soon you get close enough to them. You still have to walk like 200 yards from where the parking lot is to start even getting to the bottom of the baby tiny, tiniest dune. And by the time you've reached the bottom of them, the, you're now seeing that the dunes are so high that the mountain range that is behind them is obscured by their height. And you don't see those mountains again until you manage to climb up to the top of a dune. And then you just barely see them peeking over the edge. It was so otherworldly. It was just so cool. I could not believe that there was a place like that here in the U.S. And actually, there's more than one of them. Um, this one just happens to be called the Great Sand Dunes. But there's also one in New Mexico called the White, Great White Sand Dunes or the White Sand Dunes. Or great white sands or something like that. So it really, it really made an impression on all of us. And I, I did. I really enjoyed watching. I only sledded that one time. Once and done for me <laughs> was all I needed. But everybody else sledded. We sledded for two hours. And, and the only reason we left was because it started thundering. And they said that it's dangerous to be on the dunes when there's a thunderstorm because of lightning strikes. So, all right. And then my low was that somehow... The Lord saw fit to send a thunderstorm to Kansas again while we were in Kansas. I'm like, Kansas is so dead to me. I've been to Kansas twice and twice I have been in a severe pop-up thunderstorm with 70 mile per hour winds and forecasted baseball sized hail while I'm in my camper. Now, thankfully, neither time the hail fell, but I'm telling you this time we, I had just gotten dinner finished And 
all day I had been watching the weather and all day it looked like we were going to be in the clear. And I was just like, so glad I was so excited. I was like, yay. Oh, Kansas. Maybe this is kind of cool. You know? And I like, I have a thing about Kansas because of little house on the prairie, you know, it's like, I want to like it. It feels special. I want it to be. And so we pull up to where we're camping for the night. And the place that we were camping was also so Kansas. It was an abandoned rail yard with four, like four campsites, basically four power poles, four water spigots, and four sewer outlets. So you got full, full hookups, which full hookups is the bomb. That's what you want anywhere. Full hookups on the Kansas Prairie with an abandoned rail yard and a silo behind you. And it was $25 a night and it was by the honor system. You put your cash or you put a check in an envelope and stick it in the mailbox. <laughs> So Kansas. Anyway, we'd been watching the weather all day, um, driving out there and it looked fine. It looked fine. It looked fine. And then all of a sudden it was not fine. And we were inside our friend's camper, which they have the big, huge, they have a huge fifth wheel camper. Even their fifth wheel camper was rocking back and forth, back and forth. We were, mm, anyway, it was a low for me for sure. Okay, now we're going to finish on a high and low point with Chris. <laughs> okay, Chris's high was seeing all the dinosaur bones. He was like a little kid. He loved the dinosaur bones. I actually really enjoyed the dinosaur bones as well. Um, we all did. We were all glad that we went to Utah, even though we had to cross two very gnarly and unexpected mountain passes on the way there, which was what got us deci- later deciding that we did not want to do Monarch because the two that we did do were no fun. Um, but his high was seeing all the dinosaur bones at Dinosaur National Monument. Now his low, his low was really everyone's low, but he was the only one who was willing to say it. I teased on the last episode of the podcast that this road trip ended up being epic because of one major reason. And the major, the one major reason has to do with what Chris's low was. So let me just set the scene for you. It's the last day of being in Colorado. We wake up in Antonito and Cannon Bonito where the, the dogs are friendly and the river is cold and the trees are shady. And it was just, it was, you know, heaven, camping heaven. We'd had a perfect last night in Colorado and we get up and we're like all charged up. All right, we're headed home. Yeah. Three days until home. You know, the kids are excited. Everybody's ready to get home. We're feeling good. We're done with mountain passes. You know, we're all, we're done. Now we're just heading straight on home. We get about four hours down the road. And Chris and I are both like... Do you smell that? Yeah. What is that? I don't know. Is it us? Maybe it's that truck in front of us. I don't know. I think it's us. Yeah, it's definitely us. We call our friends on the radio. Because we keep what we have walkie talkies so we can just radio each other in case we have no cell phone service. And we're like, hey, do y'all notice anything about us? Like, we're going to pull out in front of you. We're going to pull out and get in front of you. Because usually they're the lead vehicle because they're the big one. We're going to pull out and get in front of you. You let us know, like, do you smell anything? Do you see anything? Just let us know. So we do it. We get in front. And they're like, well, we smell something, but we don't see anything. And we're like, well, okay. You know, we're going to need gas here in the next, like, 20 miles. So just we're going to next, next exit. We're getting off. We're getting gas. 
it's not 10 minutes. We're still smelling things. And Jennifer comes over on the radio and she's like, y'all are blowing smoke. And I look out and I see big, chunky, stanky smoke coming out from under the car. Thankfully, there was an exit just maybe a mile. We only had to go like a mile to get off on the exit. Was there anything at the exit? No, but okay. (laughs) At least we were off the interstate. We were not on the side of the road on the interstate. To make a very long story short, we safely pulled over and Chris and Bob got under the truck and it didn't take long for them to figure out that we had blown out our rear differential on our geriatric suburban. And, um, this is like, you can't, you can't really even go on. Like once you've determined that this is your problem, it is not wise to try and drive at all anymore because basically the seal that keeps all of the motor oil where the gears are that run our rear wheel drive car it's losing oil. And if you lose enough oil, your gears are going to lock up and your car is just going to like in the road. So I had this like sixth sense, like female intuition thing. I saw Chris under the car and I thought to myself, we're going to be here for like a week. So we just happened to be in New Mexico when this happened. We had crossed over into New Mexico and the route we were taking that day is we were going to leave Colorado. We were going to go south into New Mexico. Then we were going to just head straight east. We were going to go through the tip of Texas and then halfway through Oklahoma and stay in Oklahoma the night. We had a long driving day. It was going to be almost nine hours. And I saw him under that truck and just, I just knew something about it was just like, yep, I'm living in New Mexico for a week. And that was pretty much exactly what happened. So I could give you a blow by blow (laughs) of what happened the whole week that we were in New Mexico, but it's really not necessary because here's the thing, okay? The epic road trip was made even more epic by the fact that we intended to be home on day 17. We did not make it home until, until day 24. And even so, there is nothing that I would change about how the week in New Mexico went. Every single thing that happened just was like a little puzzle piece locking into place, you know, and I believe in divine intervention. And I just think that the Lord knew that we needed a week of rest before we got home and started back to real life. Cause y'all, I intended to roll in Monday night, and it was going to be Monday night, like 6 p.m. Monday night, unpack from camping and be ready to start school at 8 a.m. Tuesday morning. And of course, now I think that would have been crazy. Why would I have thought that would be a good idea? But that was my plan. And instead, I got to spend a week in New Mexico with basically nothing to do and nowhere to go because we were in the middle of nowhere. And... I just relaxed for like almost a week. (laughs) We took some little trip. We took a little day trip here. We took a little day trip there. We went to Albuquerque for one day, went to Costco. We went to Amarillo one day, tried to buy a truck, couldn't find one. Um, But the, the, the bottom line was we ended up determining that the best course of action was that we were just going to wait to get our car fixed and 
the place where we had the suburban toad ended up being a little family owned, super busy because it's on route 66. That was fun getting, you know, we got our kicks on route 66, our car's butt got kicked on route 66. But basically they're super busy because they're on route 66 and it's a, it's a just passing through town. Like people come through Santa Rosa, New Mexico on their way to way other places. Um, but they were super, super fast, super friendly, knowledgeable. They helped us make a good decision to buy a used axle to just replace the whole back, the whole rear axle rather than trying to fix the seal and hope that the gears were fine and all that stuff. They said, you know what, let's just put a new axle on this because that's the safest and best bet. So it only took them, it only took them a week. It was amazing between diagnosing the problem, ordering the part, receiving the part, installing the part. One week we were on our way. And like I said, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of the things that happened, even though that was a very epic change to the itinerary. Um, it really, it really turned out to be kind of like a week of rest. So, um, so yeah, we lived in New Mexico for a week and came home with a new butt on our car. So she should be good to go now for at least like, we'll say we got a new engine 50,000 miles ago and, um, a bunch of little things replaced. Really the only thing new she needs is a transmission. So like if we put a new transmission on her, she should be good to go for at least another like hundred thousand miles, right? We're going to put 400,000 miles on this car. I have no doubt. All right. So yeah, that's, that's, that was his low. His low was seeing the smoke coming out of the back of the car. (laughs) But as a ma Ingalls would say, all's well that ends well. And that certainly was everybody's review of the trip. So if you're considering an epic road trip, I even, even having experienced the things I experienced in a week long breakdown in a state, 18 hours from home, um, I would still say do it. You know, like our kids made so many memories in those three weeks. Um, and like, uh, as far as I can tell, none of it, except for our bank account, like none of it was worse for the wear. <laughs> so anyway, there you have it. That is part two, part finny. Um, someday in the future, I'll come back and do a tips and tricks type episode. But, um, yeah, it was an epic road trip and I would, I would do it again. Even, even knowing what I know now, even all things considered. So if you've been listening this long, you know what I'm going to say. But before I say it, I'm just going to remind everybody that you can find me at oddlyadulting.com. You can email me, oddlyadulting at gmail. You can also find me on Instagram. Go to Instagram and look for the epic picture of me and Jennifer sledding on the dunes. (laughs) And, you know, if if you found any value in this podcast, probably, you know, just entertainment value, but maybe you're a camper. I don't know. Maybe you're a new camper and you, you picked up, um, some new tips and tricks or some, some information that'll, you know, give you some more confidence to plan your next trip. You know, producer Amy was already super helpful by providing those list of questions to me, but you can also, if you wanted to, um, turn whatever value you got from the episode into a dollar amount and send it to me through my donate button on my page. 
anything that you send to the show just really basically keeps the lights on and helps me to buy cool stuff, cool equipment to hopefully create better content. So, all right. We're now at the part of the show where I say, if you made it all the way to the end of this, I love you. And Jesus does too. Happy camping. Intro music is by Kevin McLeod. Winner, winner. <laughs>